well, welcome everybody. My name's Chris. We're so glad that you're here today. And we're on our last uh, teaching on this series called The Grudge. When I was in uh, college, I became very, very far from God. And I had done a lot of things and I had uh, hurt a lot of people. And because of that, I started carrying some shame and guilt because of what I had done and who I had hurt. And this shame continued to kind of multiply to such a point that I actually couldn't get rid of it. And I started saying to myself, I can't forgive myself for a few of these things. And I didn't just carry this for a year or two, but I actually started carrying it for eight years in total. From the age of 18 to 26, I carried some of this that I had done to either cause pain for other people or just really disappointed God in a great way. And when I was 26, I went to a spiritual retreat weekend uh, for just men, and it was there that I experienced something that I had never experienced before in my life, this word called grace. And when I experienced the, the weekend, at the very beginning, when you checked in, they actually took your watch because they didn't want you to know what time it was so that you could just focus on the things of God. Now, I was in my 20s, and the truth is, at that point in my life, I was late for everything anyways. So taking a watch, and I didn't have a watch, so it really didn't matter. And there were no cell phones back in that day, and so uh, it was no big deal. But for some of the guys, I mean, it was like, you're not taking my watch. They were mad. They were angry. They were upset because they wanted to know what time things were. And throughout the weekend, we would have these different amazing talks from men who would talk about God's forgiveness and his love and his grace. And they spoiled us with three meals a day and all kinds of wonderful gifts that they would give to us. And then on Sunday morning, they got us up uh, before sunrise. I don't even think God was up that early, okay? And later on, I found out that they actually got us up at 4.30 in the morning, but we would go to bed at like 8.30 or 9. It was in the fall, so we had no idea uh, really what time it was because they had our watches. And in the morning, they gave us a nail, and with this nail... Uh, they asked us to hold it in our hands. And uh, later on, I found out we held the nail for about three hours. We went to this chapel and had some devotions and different things. And then uh, we went to breakfast and they said, guys, even when you get to breakfast, what we really want you to do is we want you to eat with whatever hand your nail is not in. Now, unfortunately for me, I chose to put the nail in my right hand and I'm right-handed. So I had to eat left-handed. Do you know how many left-handed people there are in the world? 12%, okay? If you're a left-handed person, I'm telling you, it, I really respect you because it was a challenge for me to do this. And so we kept eating and eating. And then at the end of that, a guy stood up and he said, guys, I'd like you to take your nail right now. And I'd like you to imagine whatever sin in your life or multiple sins in your life that you've not been able to forgive yourself for, for you to imagine that Jesus took that nail and he did. He actually put that nail on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven from God, but you could actually forgive yourself. 
And he said, guys, right now, I want you to imagine whatever that sin is, that thing in your life, that thing from your past, that you cannot forgive yourself, that Jesus wants to forgive you today, and he wants you to forgive yourself. And then he said, what I want you to do is, I want you to take your nail, and whenever you're ready, I want you to drop your nail, and I want you to receive the freedom of forgiveness. Now, the retreat center that we were at had cement floors. And pretty soon, you started hearing people take their nail and drop it. And you heard this ting, 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 all over the place. But I kept holding on to mine going, no, I know that God forgives me. I I know that he loves the world. I'm just not sure that he would forgive, or if I could forgive myself. And does he love me? And I remember looking down at that nail and I go, that's what that means. That not only does God forgive you, but now you can forgive yourself and you can move on. And then that moment came where I took the nail. I was one of the last people to do it because of what I'd done. And I just dropped the nail. And I experienced a freedom and a connection with God that I had never experienced before in my life. Now, folks, I don't know why I carried that shame for over eight years. I I knew that Jesus had forgiven me. The problem was I just couldn't forgive myself. And today, I have a feeling that some of you may be wondering in your mind because of something that you've done, why can't I forgive myself? And that's what I want to talk about today. Why can't I forgive myself? myself. Maybe for some of you, you drank too much one particular night and then you said something or you did something and you can't undo what you did. Maybe for others of you, when you were a teenager, you felt cornered in a very desperate situation and you did what you thought at the time was the right decision, but now you regret every moment of what you did. Maybe in the name of loving your family, you put all of your energy and all of your effort into working and working and working, and you put yourself into it, and you're like, I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to be successful for my family. But you missed your kid's childhood, and every time you go to bed at night, you regret the fact that you neglected your family in some way. Maybe for some of you, you had an affair Or maybe you're in an affair right now and there is this pain and there is this shame that you feel that there's no way I could forgive myself for that. Maybe for others of you, you stole something at one time or you cheated somebody and you've been carrying this and holding on to it for a very, very long time and you just can't forgive yourself. Maybe for some of you, the The reality is, is that when no one else is in the house and you're by yourself, you're clicking on things and you're watching things on a screen that you know you shouldn't and you love God and you care for God, but the reality is you get sucked into it regularly and you carry this sense that I just can't forgive myself. Folks, what do you do when what you did actually haunts you? When there's that one thing that you just can't get over. When the guilt can't go away. When you aren't able to forgive yourself. 
Now, I want to begin by saying something that I think is really, really important for us to understand, and it's this, that not all guilt is created equal. Not all guilt is created equal. Some of you are living under right now what is called false guilt. False guilt. In other words, you feel guilty about something that you actually should not be feeling guilty about. I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe for some of you, your parents got a divorce. And as a child or a teenager, when that took place, you felt so bad that you told yourself, it's my fault. If I would have been a better kid, if I would have done something different, if my behavior would have been something else, and I should have said something, or I should have done something, or my parents would still be together if I just would have acted a certain way. Maybe for others of you, you trusted someone that you loved, that you looked up to, that was an authority figure, and then they took advantage of you, and maybe emotionally or physically or sexually, you were abused in some way, and it's so tragic because what happens many times to victims is that they have a tendency to feel shame, and they'll often feel this sense that I must have done something to deserve this. In some way, it was my fault. It was my fault. And I want to tell you today, don't buy into the lies of the devil of shaming you for a false guilt. For me, the thing that plagued me for years and years was the fact that seven years ago, my dad and I uh, were trying to connect with my brother, and then after a period of time, he stopped talking to my dad, and I was the last person he talked to, and my brother's been estranged from our family for seven years. We've not heard from him in seven years, and I was the last person in our family to talk to him. And I started carrying this weight of thinking to myself, well, if I would have just done this, or if I would have just bailed him out of jail that one time, or if I would have given him some money, or one time his house was foreclosed and he asked me to buy his house and I didn't, and if I'd have done that, maybe our family would have stayed together and he would have been a part of it. And I carried this guilt and I carried this shame for a long time, this false kind of guilt And finally, I went to a counselor, and the counselor told me, it's not your fault, Chris. He made these choices. You didn't. It was his behavior, not yours, that caused that. He chose not to be in the relationship. You see, folks, false guilt is a very dangerous thing because it's not from God. And if you're carrying that, you need to let it go. Now, that's false guilt, but there is another kind of guilt called a good guilt or a godly guilt. This is a feeling of conviction where you think to yourself, you know what, what I just did right now is not right, and I'm so sorry for it. This type of good or or godly kind of guilt, it convicts us actually to get away from the wrong path and to go on the right path, to stop going down the wrong path and to get on the right path. 
This type of guilt says, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to experience this anymore. I want to change the direction of my life. I want to change my behavior. I apologize. I'm sorry. I want to heal from my past. There's a big difference, folks, between false guilt and a good guilt. You know, maybe the the best biblical example of this is found in one of Jesus' closest uh, friends and followers, a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter was a person who had a lot of good qualities. He did a lot of good things, but every once in a while, he would do something that was just stupid, like stupid on steroids. Have any of you ever done something that's stupid on steroids? Oh, I'm the only one today. Okay, I see how you are. You're all holy, all of you, yeah. No, 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 no. We can relate to that. I mean, you're, you're doing God's will. You're honoring him. You're, you're trying to do the best that you can. And then you do something dumb, dumber than dumb. And when that happens, there's a, a sense within you. You're like, why did I do that? And where did that come from? I can't believe I said that or did that or acted that way. And that's where Peter is at. And unfortunately, you and I are there sometimes as well. One day, Peter was kind of bragging on himself, and he's like, Hey, Jesus, I'm your man. I'm your guy. That if everyone else leaves you, if everyone else walks away, I will never do that. I'll always be there for you. These other disciples, they're not quite like me. I mean, I got your back no matter what. Well, Jesus kind of looked at his pride and he understood it. And he says to him, he says, Peter, you better take a chill pill. Because before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then that's exactly what happened. Jesus gets arrested and he's on trial And there's this courtyard, and there's this little girl that comes up to Peter as Peter's watching all of this. He's like, hey, hey, you were with this Jesus guy, right? You're the guy that was with Jesus. And Peter's like, Jesus who? Who are you talking about? I don't know who Jesus is. No, 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 no. I don't know that man. I I was never around him. Then another woman comes up and says, hey, hey. I saw you, you were walking with him, like you're one of his disciples, right? Like, like you're with him. He's like, no, 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 no. I was at home. I was playing Mario Kart or something, you know, like, no, 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 no. I wasn't there. And then finally, where we come to scripture today, a third person comes up and confronts him. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 59, it says this. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow, talking about Peter, certainly you, you were with Jesus, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Now, I'm going to show you a portion of scripture that maybe you've just passed over if you've ever read this before, but you just kind of read over it. But just at the moment that Jesus denied, or just the moment that Peter denied Jesus, scripture says this in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. He turned in the very moment of his denial and he locked 
eyes with Peter. Peter looked at Jesus and all of a sudden it's like after he said that they, he knew exactly what had happened. And Peter remembered the words that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And then Peter went outside and the scripture says he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. You see, Peter had a godly guilt. He thought to himself, oh man, I did it again. I can't believe that I just did what I did. I am so stupid. Why did I do that? I'm I'm so sorry. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever told yourself before, I'm never going to do this again? And then a little bit of time goes by and you do the exact same thing that you said you'll never do again. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, I love this person so much, they they mean so much to me. But then in uh, a moment of anger, in a moment of rage, you say some things, you do some things, and you can't take those words back. And you've been regretting them for years and years and years. And you ask yourself, why was I so stupid? Why would God ever forgive someone like me who always does the thing I say that I'm not going to do. Why would he love someone that never gets it right? You know, folks, we do have a spiritual enemy. And the spiritual enemy is Satan. And he loves to pass on to each one of you and to me shame. Shame is actually where he wants you to live your life. You see, there's a big difference, folks, between godly guilt and Satan's shame. Guilt says, I did something bad. That's your fill-in. I did something bad. That's what guilt says. I did something wrong. I'm not unforgivable, but I did something bad. Shame, on the other hand, says, I am bad. I am bad. I'm a bad Person, I'm so bad that I can't forgive myself for what I did. You know, shame actually is one of Satan's greatest weapons that he uses on you and I to stay stuck where we're at. And he does that in such a way by constantly reminding us, you know that thing that you just did or that thing you did a while back ago, whatever that was, you're useless, you're worthless, you're a pathetic person. You're never going to be happy, you're never going to be blessed, you're never going to leave a legacy, you're always going to carry this shame within you. You're never going to have a great marriage. Your kids are never going to look up to you. You'll never find that special someone in your life. That's never going to happen. You're always going to be marked by the one thing that you did. It will not go away. Why? Because, you know, deep down, you know you're a bad person. In our story today, you can just imagine Satan speaking into Peter's ears. Peter! You blew it again, big time, buddy. 
Jesus trusted you, and you were all cocky, and you said you were going to do this, and he handpicked you. He chose you to be his disciple, and what did you do? You betrayed him. You denied him. You let him down. You left him big time. In his time of greatest need, you bolted on him, Peter. You're never going to have credibility again. Your integrity is never going to be valuable again. It's shot. Your ministry is done. Peter, you should be ashamed of yourself. Do you ever hear that voice? You should be ashamed of yourself. You see, this is what Satan does with shame. Satan uses shame to drive you away from God. Satan regularly uses shame to drive you away from the thing that you need most in your life, and that is the goodness and the love of God. He'll say things like, you're not good enough. You're not enough with who you are. You'll never measure up. And what you did, God could never really love you for that. I understand why you can't forgive yourself, because I don't think God forgives you for this one. But, but, this is what God does with guilt. God actually uses that I did something bad. He uses that to actually draw you to his grace. He says, that thing that you think, ah, well, I'm going to use that, that bad thing, I'm going to use it to draw it to my grace for you. On that spiritual retreat weekend, when we got the nail... After we had dropped it on the floor at the end of that time, the guy came and said, hey, now I want you to pick up the nail. And he said, we're going to go to this chapel. And when we got to this chapel, there was this great big cross. And he gave us a piece of paper and he said, I want you to write down whatever that secret shame is, whatever that sin is that you can't forgive yourself for. And he said, I want you to write it and we're going to take the nail And there was a hammer at the bottom of this cross, and we walked up to this cross, and each one of us nailed this. This shame from our past, the sin that we couldn't forgive ourselves into the cross. And I remember taking my nail and hammering it there, and for the first time I was like, God forgives me. But even more so, now I can finally forgive myself. God forgave me eight years ago when I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I repent. I want to turn around. I want to turn towards you. But in that moment, I actually was able to forgive myself. And there was a weight that was released from my shoulders. And God took the guilt and he actually drew me to his grace. His grace that says, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That he loves you as is and he will receive you and forgive you. And if God forgives you, why in the world haven't you forgiven yourself? He loves you as is and he forgives you. Well, the good news is that Peter's story did not end with him weeping uh, bitterly outside 
the arrest of Jesus. After Jesus resurrected from the day the, from the dead, one day he actually made breakfast for the disciples, and he had a moment where he pulled Peter aside and he said, "Peter, let's talk you and me one on one." And if you want to read this story this week, it's found in John chapter twenty-one. It's in the New Testament, John twenty-one. A great story to read. And Jesus approaches him, and and Peter's kind of nervous and. He realizes that when Jesus approached him, he had failed him three times. He felt like a loser. He felt so much shame that he had denied him. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I was so stupid. I'm sorry. Yes, I love you. And isn't that the way it is with us sometimes? Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. But I'm, I'm sorry that I said that or did that. I'm, I messed up. And then he comes with this repentful, sincere heart. Repent just means to turn around. I'm turning away from that thing that's owning me and I'm turning towards God. And, and he does a second time. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And he gives him a chance again to get rid of the denial. And he says, yes, I, I love you. And you know what Jesus didn't say during this interaction with Peter? What he didn't say was this. I told you so. I told you you were going to do it and you still didn't listen to me. Also, he didn't say, you know what? I really want you to dwell on your past. That thing that you did in your past, I really want you to spend more time Focusing in on that. You're in spiritual timeout, Peter. No, no, no. He didn't say that. He said a third time, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Jesus, you know that I love you. Then he said, well, go feed my sheep. And I can imagine when he said that, what he was really saying was, go do the will that I told you to do, Peter. Quit beating yourself up, putting yourself down. Turn it around right now and go follow and finish the assignment that I have for you. You're forgiven. Go do what I've created you to do. Folks, you know the thing that keeps you and I from doing what God created us to do? It's shame. It's that thing that says, I'm a bad person. I, I can never forgive myself. Why can't I forgive myself? Because I just can't. I can't do that. And what we do is we take that and we hide that secret shame to ourselves. That skeleton in the closet, that thing that we don't want anyone else to know, we keep it to ourselves and it keeps us from actually doing what God created us to do. And sometimes people will carry this to their grave. I've been there in deathbed moments where people are carrying this shame and they tell me at the very end, oh, this is what it, and I thought, man, they could have had freedom for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life had they come clean and just said, God, now here it is. And when I know you forgive me, I forgive myself. Several years ago, there was a artist, a guy by the name of Frank Warren, who actually put together an art project called Post Secret. And what he did was he basically took 3,000 postcards and he had them all addressed to come back to his address, but they were all anonymous. 
No matter what people put, he couldn't know where it came from. And so he went ahead and he placed these in subways and in art galleries. He went to the library and put them in all over Washington, D.C. And then he just waited. And then amazingly, all of these things started coming to him of these postcards that people were sharing total strangers, the shame that they had had in their life, the pain that they had been carrying because of something they had done. And then later on, he went on and he put all of these together and he created a book called The Secret Shame of the Lives of Men and Women. And he put all of that together. And I'd like for you right now to look at just a few of these as uh, we watch this video. This morning, I want to ask you, are you carrying any secret shame? Are you carrying any sin that you say, I just can't forgive myself for this? What I'd like you to do right now is to pull out your card that says the grudge, because one of the greatest grudges we hold against is ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. And... On the back of the card, it says this. It says, today I let go of whatever that thing is that you've been carrying for days or weeks or months or years or decades. My secret shame. And I realize today God forgives me and I am choosing now to actually forgive myself. So whatever that thing is that you can't forgive yourself for, 
we want you to have a moment where you could write down what that is. And this is how we're going to close today. That thing that you've been carrying that has consumed you, we want you to write it down. No one's looking around. The lights are down. For those of you that are on the stream, this is underneath your notes page on the app. No one's going to see this. This is just between you and God. But if you haven't forgiven yourself for something, today is the day that you should. Because God has already forgiven you. And so this is how we're going to close. With the lights down, no one looking around, this is just between the two of you. I want you to write down whatever that thing is, and then in the four corners of the auditorium down here on the main level, there's a trash can. And what I'd like you to do, after you've written down whatever it is, to go to that trash can and to throw it away. It's anonymous. There's no name. No one's going to know. It'll put there. No one's going to look at these. In fact, after we're done with these, I'm going to take them in a bag and I'm going to burn them up myself. No one else will see them. No one else will look at them. And just as you throw this into the trash, what I want you to know is that you can throw your shame into the trash as well. That unforgivable sin, that thing that has been weighing you down, that thing that you say, why can't I forgive myself for this? No one will see it. But you'll find freedom today as you're forgiven from God and you can actually forgive yourself. And folks, this is what I want you to know. That today... God wants to actually lighten your load. He doesn't want you to carry what you've been carrying. You know, my favorite kind of post-secret card was that very last one that said, I've given all my secrets away and I feel so free. I've given them away, that secret shame, and I feel free. So this is how we're going to close. We're going to give you a moment after I pray to go to the trash uh, cans and to put that. And up in the balcony, there's two trash cans up there also on each side. We didn't forget about you guys. And you'll go and you'll put that in there and then you'll come back to your seat. And Caleb will close us in a song of receiving the forgiveness of God and for ourselves to forgive ourselves for that one thing that we've been carrying. Because I'm telling you, there's no freedom like knowing that you're fully forgiven and you can finally forgive yourself. Today, God forgives you. Why in the world would you not take this opportunity to confess it, write it down? No one's going to see it. It's anonymous, but you can find freedom today that I forgive myself. Let's pray. Well, God, we uh, come to you right now. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us to be honest and to write down whatever that shame is that we haven't been able to forgive ourselves for. God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would find freedom in this place. Thank you for forgiving us and thank you for setting us free. 
Heavenly Father, only you and you alone know exactly what is inside us. Help us not to hold on to that secret sin, that secret shame anymore, but let us find freedom in you. Let us know today, God, that we are free from this shame and that we are worthy of your love. So Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would come both with each person in this auditorium and on the stream. And as they confess their secret shame, that they would find freedom in this place as they throw it away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Inside of me, hearing my dead man walk. 
Thank you. 